Okay, turning your Bibles to John chapter 8. This is a little bit longer. I'm going to talk about true discipleship. We, um, teaching and so forth, we need to know the Word of God, and so we need to get in the Word of God. And um, I'll share with you real quick. In in Old Testament that I've been in, the New Testament, the Psalms right now, I'm in uh, Numbers. If you remember what happened was, is Miriam, Aaron's wife, she didn't like what Moses was doing. And so uh, she began to grumble about Moses. Moses was leading them out, you know, of the, uh, into the promised land. They, they didn't get to go, that first group anyway, but he was leading them out. And uh, he was grumbling. Remember, uh, God struck Miriam with leprosy, I believe it was. And then Moses interceded for her. And uh, the prayer that he prayed was, and this is NIV, and maybe I'd love to see the, the Hebrew in this, but it says, please, God, heal Miriam. Okay, so I went, bingo, this is scripture. Please, God, heal these that have been asked for healing today. Please, God, do these things. And the word please struck out to me. I'm not sure what the original language was and so forth. But again, as it's translated and all, please, God, heal such and such. Isn't that, we can do that, can't we? Please, God, heal them. It's not uh, something that's complicated or just the preacher can do. We can all pray that. So keep that in mind. Let's read together. If you'd like to stand during the reading of God's word, you can do that also. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And so if the son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. You hear that, Jerry? I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham's our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus said, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you're determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You're doing the things your own father does. We're not illegitimate illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. And Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and now am here. And I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're, not, you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says, and the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. And the Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and you're demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, 
but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets, and yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he'll never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. And though you do not know him, I know him. And if I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day, and he saw it and was glad. You're not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you've seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to to stone him, yet Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Amen. (laughs) Everybody follow that? It's a long scripture. Track with me. What happened between verse 30 and verse 59? In verse 30, they said that, uh, hey, many believed in him, and they followed Jesus. And yet in 59, verse 59, they're picking up stones to stone him. And so I have talked to y'all over the years about the fact when I was doing hospice and we have what's called a face sheet and it gives us uh, the history of the person and different things, their illness and the family members and so forth. And then on that sheet is what's called religion. And most people that I saw would classify themselves as Christian, except those who were Buddhist and Hindu and Muslim and so forth, and some would say none and all, but most people said they're Christian. And so uh, <clears throat> only God knows our hearts as I couch this, but I would go in and talk to them and ask them about their faith and so forth and maybe what church they attended and all. Well, I don't attend churches, and church doesn't save you and, and all this, and, and they would talk to me and, and, and things that just were really almost just anti-biblical and all, and I'm I'm thinking, well, you've put on there, and you have said, I'm a Christian. Many people in this country today believe they're Christians for various reasons. Probably the biggest reason is by their works. I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed adultery. I've never done this. I've never done that. I do good works. I give to a charity of my choice. I do this and that. Many, church, many people today in this country believe that, and we know that's not true. That it does not save you. And so when we look at this crowd here and they're following Jesus, I want you to see if you can track with me as we go through this because it's very important understanding what true discipleship is and then how we really can be a disciple of Christ because in Matthew chapter 28, the Bible says, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. And, all. and so that's what we're doing, people who are really committed to the Lord even through thick and thin. And so as we look at this, and we see what happened between this. So a lot of times there uh, in many church circles a misunderstanding about what the job of the church is. Is the job of the church to simply gather a crowd of people? 
Or is it simply to get people to pray a prayer and join the, 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 the church and so forth and, and, and all and kind of join in on that? Is that the purpose of the church and, and all? Is it to believe that people would believe in Jesus? And actually, the answer depends on what we mean when we're talking about believing in Jesus or receiving Jesus. A lot of people believe in Jesus and they may not be born again. A lot of people believe that. The demons believe in Jesus. The, the demons in hell, they know who Jesus is. They know exactly. I mean, obviously, read the Gospels when Jesus walked around. A lot of people say that. I, oh, I believe in Jesus. Maybe they've experienced Christmas and all, and they, they maybe the Christmas songs and this type of thing, but they've never really committed their life to Christ. They never really followed through. What I believe is, is something that God says is, is what we must do. And that's between them and the Lord, obviously, in that sense. And not man can't judge it, but we can obviously see the fruits in people's lives. Because if you're born again, your life is going to change. My life's going to change. There's something going to happen in our lives if we're truly saved. We're going <clears> to <throat> act different. We're going to talk different. We're going to do things differently than what we would ordinarily. Because true discipleship, obviously, uh, is a way of life for the Christian. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a love affair with Jesus. The, the glorious man is seated at the right hand of the Father. It's a, a, being in love with him. You know, Jesus said, I'll narrow down the two, all the commandments, and I'll narrow them down to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So it's all about love. You know, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes there are people that I just don't even like. So how am I going to get past that, right? You know, but at the same time, is saying this is where we're moving towards and this is what's got to happen in our lives to be true disciples of Jesus. I've asked each one of you in here today to say, would you, do you really want to be a true disciple of Christ? I guarantee you, all of us would say, yes, Jim, I want to be a true disciple of Christ. And so it takes some things I want to talk about today that these people didn't see. And so they were given, the first point is an opportunity of discipleship that was offered to Jesus. We'll go back through the scriptures. It said, through the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How do you know the truth? You've got to get in the word of God. You've got to read the word of God. You've got to study the word of God. You've got to meditate on the word of God. You've got to get the word in your heart. David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. You know, when you start reading the word of God, and I was encouraging you to do that, I mean, it just opens things up. I mean, you just, just things happen. And it may not be in direct uh, uh, relevance to the story or to what the Word is saying. But when you open God's Word up, God honors that, and He will speak to you, and He will guide you and direct you. And then when you open it up the next time, and the next time, and the next time, and, and so forth, it, it will become more and more and more, obviously, uh, just uh, interesting and exciting to read the Word of God. But it takes discipline to do that. It takes time set aside. You've got to read, got to get into the Word of God. These people, he said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Remember, Pilate there was getting ready to give uh, the, kind of the, the decision to crucify Christ. He didn't really want to because his wife had told him, don't mess with this man or something. I had a dream. God gave her a dream and, and all. But yet, Pilate said, he looked at Jesus, and he said, what is truth? Remember when he looked at Jesus? Right before Jesus was crucified, what is truth? And Pilate was standing there, and he was looking in the face of truth. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
and no man comes to the Father except by me. Truth begins with God. Truth is God. God is truth. He is truth. And all we can, we can have opinions about things or we can have feelings about things and we'll be all over the road. But God says, I'm truth and you need to be grounded in truth and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free here. And so here uh, we need to continue in his teachings, to know his teachings. We've got to study. We, actually, you've got to get in church. You've got to get in, in a study time with him. People today don't know the word. People don't know really what God says because they don't. They, again, they have opinions, but they're not truth. You know, either it's truth or it's a lie. You can't be in between. There's no gray area. And many people don't know the truth. And what happens? The Bible says, I believe it's just the opposite. And then people are in bondage because they don't know the truth. Once you know the truth, the Bible says it'll set you free. And so you need to learn. You need to get in that. You need to pursue truth. You need to get in truth. Talked to somebody recently about it. And I said, God wants to reveal truth to your heart. God wants to reveal truth to you because truth will set you free when you learn about that. And so obviously when Jesus said, you'll hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. And basically what it is, it's about pursuing the Lord. It's about perseverance, even through thick and thin here. A true disciple will be there when it's fun and when it's not so fun. When it's getting, when the going gets tough. And when there's real challenges, and there will be, trust me, it's not a, a mamby-pamby type of thing, but it does something. God uses those challenges, those testings in our lives, and those difficulties and so forth. You know, um, in the epistle, John says, uh, in First John 2, that they went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us. For the, If they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Their departure from their faith was demonstrated that they weren't really a true disciple of Jesus. A lot of people have come into church. A lot of people have, have walked the aisle and said, I received Jesus. I, I want Jesus. Maybe some type of an emotional response or so forth. And they've come and they really haven't been born again. And then you never see them again. They say in Billy Graham's crusades when he was preaching and so forth, he said, you know, when they, they went to the altar and, and they would ask Jesus and pray a, a sinner's prayer and so forth, and they said, percentage-wise, the number of people that would then get in a church and follow through on their faith was very small. And that's what's happened in this country today. There's not a perseverance. There's not a commitment to really following the Lord and being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, go and make disciples. And that's his command. That is not an option here, folks. It is his word, and this is a command. The Bible says there in, in John chapter 10, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one shall, can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. You see, repentance is a change of mind and a change of actions. There has to be something that's demonstrated that you, you obviously, if you truly have been born again, your life will change. And I'm not saying that I'm talking about perfection, okay? Don't, not at all in our performance, certainly. We know we stumble and fall. But I'm talking about what is the bent of your heart? What is the bent of my, my heart towards the Lord of following him and seeking him? You remember what happened when the Israelites left Egypt? These people were being taken out of slavery. 
and Moses was leading them out, and they were taken out of slavery. And when things got tough, what did they do? Anybody want to say it? They wanted to go back, didn't they, David? They wanted to go back. And they said where the leeks and the onions and the garlic were. And I've always said, I don't know whether that would be tasty or not, but they thought it would be. They wanted to go back to their old life and all. And, and they didn't like it. They did not like it. And they never entered into the promised land. The promised land, obviously, I don't believe is exactly heaven, okay? Now, it will be a promised land. But I believe what, that we enter into that here on this, in this life today. When we're obedient to the Lord, you can, you can enter into that life and that walk with the Lord very, very intimate in that relationship because Christianity is the only one that has a relationship with their God. It's a special relationship. We can enter into our promised land if we believe God and don't doubt him and not be afraid here. So obviously that's why it's very, very important to hear God's voice. Very important. And so God is, is, is Jesus here is, is, He's challenging them because, you know, they said, oh, yeah, we believe in you in here and, and all. And, um, and then they were going to stone him. One minute they're singing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And the next minute they're putting carpets down before him and all this cloaks and stuff. And then the next minute it said crucify him. They're in the crowd, crucify him, crucify him. Not everybody, but a lot of the people were. In First Timothy chapter 4, it says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers here. You just can't do what you want to do. You can't live the way you want to live. You've got to know what God wants in your life. You've got to get into the word of God here. You know, we'll say, I believe in the tribulation that, you know, they talk about. Every, we're always interested in the tribulation and all what will be going on. You read the book of Revelation. You read the book of Revelation. Just reading it, it says you'll be blessed. But in, in the tribulation, it talks about, you know, those you'll probably take a, a number, 666, right? And uh, they say, I believe many people will come to the Lord Jesus in the tribulation at that time. Well, if, of course, they'll line up and they'll have to take uh, the, the number 666. But if they do take the number 666, they really, I don't believe that obviously they're true believers. Because true believers will not take the 666. And bow to the Antichrist, okay? It's the same way with us. We have to obviously ask God to strengthen our spirit man with all power to be able to go through this. We are in a battle in this country today. We see it all the time. That's why we sing, revive us, revive us with fire. And how we do that. I, I, you know, I, I just believe that. To strengthen us in that way. These people, they just said, man, this guy is teaching. They got offended by Jesus is what they did. When they knew they were coming under trials and, and tribulations, they, they got offended. Jesus offended them, and they rejected him. Just kill him. And so Luke 14, verse 27, it says, And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. That seems like to me that may be a task involved, right? That seems to be a task that is involved here. You've got to count the cost because there's a cost in discipleship. And he says, you'll know the truth here, the truth here. And that truth is what is that truth? What is truth? And that's what Pilate did when he, uh, when he looked at Jesus and said, oh, what's truth here? And he's looking at truth. Abraham Lincoln said this. Listen to this. He asked the question, if a man were to call the tail of a dog a leg, okay, got it? How many legs would the dog have? If a man would count the tail of a dog a leg, 
How many legs would the dog have? When the answer came back, five. With a smile, Lincoln would reply, wrong. Calling the tail of a dog does not make it one. The dog still has four legs. Right? How many people you know, and even the politicians, now watch the politicians and what they're saying. Most people believe that if you tell a lie long enough, then you'll start believing it. Now, with all due respect, I believe that's what they're doing. And they're drawing a big crowd. In the end times, there will be a deception, I believe, that is beyond our ability to be able to walk through successfully without God's power and strength. And I believe we need that discernment today, church, because I believe that's what's coming over this, you know. It's like God says, sends a delusion over their eyes, and they don't see it. But the truth is the truth. And the truth, when you get into the Word of God and God begins to speak to you, what God says is truth because He is truth. And certainly that's something we need to know about here. So it begins with God. God is the truth. John 8, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. Now, you know they got hot about that. They didn't like that at all. Because they were saying that Abraham was their father. Well, maybe in that sense, biologically passed down and so forth. But Jesus is saying, you're not Abraham's spiritual. He, he wasn't your spiritual father. You know, I've, I've given some, sometimes some statistics. Uh, George Barner does a lot of Christian type of polling. And <clears throat> some time ago, if you remember, I, I told you that they surveyed a lot of people in the churches and different churches. And, and they found that a large percentage of the people in the church do not believe in absolute truth. Do not believe in absolute truth. You know, it's all relative. It's relative. And what we may have now is obviously generations being brought up in the fact that there's no absolute truth. We don't need this, this old archaic Bible here, you know. You're some kind of Jesus freak, aren't you? Isn't that what they say? And we don't have absolute truth anymore. And so everybody does their own thing. And you know what happened in the book of Judges when everybody did on their own thing and the pendulum swung one way? And they said everybody did what was right in their own sight. Can you imagine? That's what's happening right now, folks. Everybody's doing what's right in their own sight. They're saying this and that. It's like Lincoln saying, you know, if you get to call that tail a dog, and everybody says, well, they got five legs. No, they don't. He's still got four legs. The same way with the Bible. Because they say, this is not bad. You know, you need to give these people a break, whether or not it be in some of the Supreme Court decisions that are being made and some of the things that we see our society shifting to and so forth, and we're sort of like just uh, normalizing maybe homosexuality, normalizing everybody sleeping together, normalizing everybody not getting married, and, and let's just go ahead and live together, normalizing all these things that you and I have seen change in our lifetime because they haven't believed the truth. God says it so. And we need to get back to what God says. You know, America, I believe, is believing a lie. Why? It's because we haven't committed ourselves to the Lord. And these people hadn't committed themselves to the Lord. And they were in no condition to hear God's voice when he spoke. 
So they were really listening. And they upped the ante about Jesus also. In 2 Thessalonians 2, they perished because they refused to love the truth and so to be saved. And for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they, may, they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. You see, the moral choice that you and I have to love the truth opens the heart up to hear and understand the truth. To distinguish it from falsehood. If it is a committed heart that continues to follow the Lord, not just with an intellectual pursuit, but with moral obedience that comes into a revelation of truth. When you and I commit our lives and make a choice to follow Jesus and to abide in his word, to abide by the truth, to know the truth, and the truth will set you free, then he'll show you more and more and more. But if you say, I'm doing my, I have an opinion about this. Everybody has an opinion, right? I have an opinion. I talked to people about Jesus not too long ago. I have an opinion. My opinion is about this. And I wanted to say, forgive me, but what's the truth here? I don't want to know your opinion. I want to know what God says about this. And some people say, well, I feel this way. I feel, I have feelings about this. I have feelings about that and so forth. And I've always, feelings are fickle. They wishy-washy. They're back and forth. What's the truth? These people didn't want to know the truth here. Verse 32 says, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free here. And when you know the truth, what happens? You walk out of bondage. A lot of Christians are in bondage today because they don't know the truth. They don't know who they are in Christ, and the devil beats them up. The accuser of the brethren, I've talked about it. They don't know their identity is in Christ. They don't know their destiny is in Christ. I was thinking about that word destiny this morning. It means destination. It's a shortage word. Our destiny is in Christ. Our destiny is, is with him. Destination to live with him forever. We prepared, obviously. We need to, um, to the extent that our hearts are flooded with the bright light of truth and our minds are seeing reality from the beginning to the end, we'd never choose a sin. In fact, there's a certain madness about every sin. To violate the principles of life as they flow from the author of life, it's got to be insanity. We know what it is. You know their consequences, and we go on and do it. And so God brings truth to our hearts. And as we embrace that truth and apply it to our lives, we get free from the bondage of sin. Isn't that great? Truth sets you free. Isn't that great? That's good. The second thing is there's some obstacles to discipleship. First of all, in verse 33, listen to what they say and think if you can kind of look at it in relevant terms today. Verse 33 says this, we don't need to be set free. We've never been in bondage to anyone. You know, uh, pride is robbing these people. We don't need God. We don't need him. Uh, we've never been a slave to anybody. That's what's happening. And that's what we say sometimes, don't we? We say, I don't need it, God. I don't need it. I don't need that. I don't need to be set free. I don't need prayer. Keep it down. I don't need to be prayed for. You see that today. I can make it on my own. I'm a self-made man or self-made person. And verse 34, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Here. Most people enter into sin thinking that they can be the master of, and sin serve their good pleasure. You remember Moses didn't uh, 
betray the Lord because he uh, forsook the temporary pleasures of sin. There are pleasures in sin, but they're temporary. Listen to this statement. You've heard it before. Sin takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and costs you more than you want to pay. It does, doesn't it? It does. Verses 35, 36. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. You heard that earlier as Jerry prayed. Thank you. The good news, as a son, I want to bring him to a permanent relationship with the father here. He does that, verse 37. I know you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. People will do this because they don't know the word. They have no room for God. They have no room for the word of God, which is truth to us today. And because sin still rules in your members, you're full of self, full of your own plans, full of your own opinions. You've not allowed any room for my word is what he's saying. The tragedy here is obviously we're living for selfish pursuits. We're doing what we want to do. Instead of being like Samuel, young Sam, Samuel, remember what he said? He said uh, that when he finally figured out God was speaking, and he said, Lord, speak, your servant is listening. Ever prayed that prayer? I say, Lord, speak, your son is listening. I need you to speak to me, and I need you to guide me and direct me. I want you to speak to me all the time. I want to hear you. There's a contemporary Christian song out now. You can listen to it about, you know, uh, I Listen to the word of God. I, your word is life to me. So still my heart and uh, let me hear you. It's, it's a beautiful song, real simple. But I want to hear what you have to say because it's life to me and all. So also they relied upon false hopes. Second obstacle here. It obviously, they, they false hopes here. They, they had their minds made up. They didn't have an open heart to what God was saying. They basically shut him out is what they did. So they didn't have that. So uh, I talked to people in hospice that um, I said, well, you're, you know, your loved ones. And as in the conversation would come up and actually they believed in Jesus because their parents had a relationship with Jesus. They actually told me, well, my parents are believers here. And they believe that they're going to go in on their coattail. I'll talk to them about that. People will believe that. I mean, it's kind of just really far out there. We live in the United States of America. And to hear some of the things that you hear today or see some of the things you do, this is a Christian nation. It was founded on Christian principles. And I believe today we've strayed way, way from it. But any people, anyway, they had false hopes here. But also, there was an inconsistency between their profession and their behavior here. And so Jesus said this, if you were Abraham's children, then you'd do the things Abraham did. Abraham believed God, and, and remember God credited him as righteousness. As it is, you're determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I, I heard from God. I mean, Jesus in this particular talk is laying out real, real plainly. Abraham did not do such things. You're doing these things. Your own, your own father does. And they go, we're not illegitimate children here, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. What are you talking about, you maniac, is what they were saying. We're not illegitimate, you know. But really, what we do is a real indicator of what we are here. You know, I can claim to be a rocket scientist, but if I don't work on rockets, the claim is meaningless. 
I can claim anything. But if I don't do it, it's by actions, isn't it? You can tell a tree by its fruit here. Obviously, Show, obviously in the book of James, you know, um, he says faith without works is dead. You got to put where the rubber hits the road and do what you do. Be a true disciple, a follower of Jesus. It takes the actions that we know. You know, obviously what a difference there is between what many Christians sing about and hear about on Sunday morning versus then what they do on Monday and the rest of the week here. They have no, obviously, connection there. They're not studying. They're not learning and all this. This is, I want to tell you today, I know we have full-time jobs, but to be honest with you, we need to be diligent in our seeking the Lord and seeking His heart. If you want to be a true disciple, it has to be priority in your life and my life. It can't be. And you say, yes, Jim, but you're a preacher and all, and that's, that's a different story. I know, I know that, and I'm thankful for that. But certainly, I need to be really guarded. In fact, I'll be held to a higher accountability because I know. I know the truth, and so do you. And we know that as we stand before, obviously, the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, not the great white throne of unbelievers' judgment. We stand. We give an account of all of our lives there. There's grace. Thank God for grace. But we want to diligently serve the Lord and true discipleship. These people here were turning away. You see, their affections set on the wrong thing. And, of course, their affections consistent with their nature. But Jesus is offering a change that they don't want to take. Jesus is offering them the opportunity to change. And they went, no, not at all here. They want to, obviously, they want to love what they love. And they want to keep it that way. You need to be careful. So what happens is, the Bible says in here, when Jesus said, is that they, had, they couldn't hear the truth here. In John 8, verse 43, Jesus said, why is my language not clear to you? And they respond, remember, they got quiet. And so Jesus breaks the silence and he says, because you're unable to hear what I say here. And then he explains why they cannot hear. They're listening to another voice and have been for a very long time. You know, here people go in sh- schools and, and all that and they say a voice told them to do this and that and listen to the wrong voice. They don't know the truth. They don't know the truth there, that you don't do that. It's an abomination in the sight of God. They don't know. They listen to another voice. People today are listening to another voice. They don't have to go out and be murderers and so forth. But many of them don't know the truth. If you don't know the truth, then what you'll do, more than likely, many times, you'll fall for a lie. Because you can't hear the voice of God. Because their hearts are not humble. Because their hearts are not yielded to the Lord. And they say, no way. I'm not going in that church house. That crazy preacher, all he talks about is this and that and repentance and so forth. I'm not going in there. And yet God says, you'll never know the truth unless you surrender to me and give your heart. Say, we're going to kill him. And man, we're Abraham's descendants. We're okay. Most people today, we're going to heaven. You know, I know it. I know I've been good. We're all going to heaven. Everybody's going to heaven. Talked to somebody not too long ago. I said, what happened when you died? I said, I wanted to hear what he had to say. You, do you believe you just go poof, and that's it? Yep, that's it. I said, well, let me tell you, that's a lie. I said, because there, there is a heaven and there is a hell. Don't listen to truth. The truth is that Jesus is the only way. The truth is there is a heaven and hell. The reality is there will be people going there. They're going to be going people both going to both places. We need to share so that people go to the good place, the better place here. None can't hear, verse 44. 
Jesus said to them, you belong to your father, the devil. Now, they didn't like that, obviously. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, because there wasn't any truth in them. And here, uh, yet I tell you the truth, you don't believe me here. Verse 46, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? This is what he's saying. And Jesus, again, waits for their answer. Silence. Nothing. And so Jesus helps them out again. In verse 47, he who belongs to God hears what God says. And the reason you don't hear is that you do not belong to God. Now, you're talking about confrontational. That's confrontational, isn't it? But he was sharing with them the only way to heaven here. They can't hear because they're not spiritual children of Abraham. They're not what they claim to be here at all here. Um, And so they had wrong perception of Jesus here. It's the same problem today. Again, and people today are doing what they want to do here. They're believing there are no consequences at all. And, you know, you ask people if they accepted Christ, and they go, yes, here. When I was a young person, I walked the aisle, and I was baptized. But there's no fruit. There's nothing going on in their life. They have no desire to follow the Lord. They have no desire to know Jesus and so forth. They're going down the wrong path. There are many people today that are living as fornicators, adulterers, uh, and, and all of these things. And, you know, he says, even if you dwell upon it in your heart, you hate somebody, you continue to dwell on it, it's basically equated to murder. You hate somebody in your mind, you don't deal with it and so forth and all. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he said, these people will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's the Bible. I'm just saying That's what it says. And so a true disciple is going to do something about it, no matter what it is. John, in verse 48, the Jews answer him, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and you're demon-possessed? Here they are saying Jesus is demon-possessed here. I won't read the rest of the scripture. What does he mean by saying a Samaritan? They knew he'd been to Samaria, and that Samaritan woman, remember in John 4 at the well? And all she got saved, and the whole country got in that area got revival. They they were revived. They believed in Jesus and so forth. Say what that what it was was a cut, because uh, Samaritans that Jews hated, and so it was a cut to Jesus about that. And then they went on and said he was demon possessed. I mean, they were getting angry. They didn't like what he was saying. You know, when you tell people the truth, there'll be some that will receive, but some will want to stone you, so to speak. All right. Some will say, don't tell me that stuff. That's right. You tell them the truth. Jesus continued to reveal himself. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and he was glad. And they said, you're not yet 50 years old. Remember, they were looking. How did you see Abraham? He died before you were born here. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. He said, before Abraham was, hallelujah, was born, I am. And when he said, I am, that blew, that, they blew their tops. Because he was saying he was God. You see an unwillingness to bow to the authority of Jesus Christ over their lives. And what happened? They picked up stones to stone him. The opportunity had left them. They didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say. But you see, Jesus told them anyway. 
I'll say this, is that many people from our perception may not want to hear what we have to say. But I believe, as we talked about in John chapter 4, that the harvest is, is white ready. The harvest is there. And we don't know when we plant that seed out there, and we don't know because we may not see right then it bearing fruit, but we don't know what will happen again, as I said, when that person hits rock bottom. And they remember what you said, that seed was planted. It's not to, for us to discriminate and maybe figure out in our minds, this person, they look like they're too far gone. They're not going to listen to me about telling them about Jesus Christ. In fact, they may stone me, so to speak, in that with their words. You see today, a true disciple will tell them the truth, not beat them over the head. And they be led by the Spirit, obviously, and, and seasoned with grace, but certainly be ready to share the hope of your calling in season and out of season. In Matthew 16, Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. Ultimately, God will bring that person to that place. Your responsibility and my responsibility is to share the truth. The truth about Jesus. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, share your testimony. What I want to tell you. You want to be free? Because what I find is a lot of people today, even Christians, they're in bondage. And they're not free. But it says that you'll know the truth. Once you know the truth. And you're seeking the truth. And you're persevering in the truth. The truth will set you free. Isn't that good news? That's good news. And that's why we're, where, why we're here today. To hear truth. To hear the word of God. You know. God's not a genie in a bottle. That you can rub and so forth. You know he doesn't do what I tell him to do. Or what you tell him to do. He's God. He tells us what to do. Amen. Amen. He tells us what to do. We follow him. He doesn't follow us. He's my master. He's my Lord. And so it's just as Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. I say that today. Father, you, Lord Jesus, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's my declaration today. And so, you know, if he's Lord, then follow him. Seek to be a true disciple of him. Seek, get into the word of God. Uh, work with your prayer life. He, just talk to him. You go, I can't pray like somebody else. And also, I can't pray like the other people either anyway, so I can't. Just talk to him. Pray to him. Share what's on your heart. He wants to hear us. And allow him to work in your life. Allow him to reveal himself to you. He will. He knows if you've got an open heart. He'll reveal himself to you. He'll show himself strong and mighty if we're allowing. These people started out, oh, yeah, we believe, we believe. And before it turned around, and it didn't even take a chapter before they changed their minds. Didn't even get to the end of the chapter. And they said, let's crucify him. They said, throw stones at him. And I believe Jesus supernaturally 
slipped away from them many times. I know the Bible talks about it. He walked right through them. I believe he just slipped away. He was telling the truth. And now what do we have? We have the word. We have the word that we can share, encourage one another, to bless one another. We have it written down here, inspired in the infallible word of God, inerrant word of God. We got them all over the place, don't we? All types of translations. I like the New King James Version also. I use NIV, but I like, I like them all. I love all. I want the thing that's most, as far as the original language, correct and all. And, you know, but they're good. Just got to use it. And uh, he'll speak to your heart. Any questions? Comments? True discipleship is where we're going, aren't we? And that is to be persevere, what it means persevering and seeking the Lord. You going to do it correctly all the time? Nope, neither am I. Am I going to stumble and fall? Yeah, because obviously in 1 John it says, if we say we don't have any sin, and he said we'll make God out to be a liar. But if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But where is the bent of our hearts today? Is it to pursue Christ? Is it to be a real disciple, true disciple of Jesus? Or is it kind of like, um, I got my ticket. I'll get on that train when it comes. I got my ticket. His name is Jesus. I'll get on the train and all that. But until that time, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? Are you going to live for Jesus? You can continue to just, you know, to seek him with all your heart and say, Lord, I don't know if I love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I don't know if I love my neighbor as myself, but Lord, work that in my heart. Holy Spirit, work that in my heart. That's where I am. Because I don't know. What's my motives? Are they all pure? I, prob- probably not, obviously. So I say, Lord, bless my pure motives if there are any. And then if there are any impure motives, then forgive me. And move on. God knows our hearts. Lord, you know our hearts. Jesus, remember when Jesus was on the shore and after, the, after he'd, been, he'd rose from the dead and he was on the shore and, and he was talking to Peter and he said, do you love me, Peter? He said, Lord, I know, you know I love him. I love you. And he said, do you love me, Peter? And he keeps asking, remember? And Peter said, yeah, well, thinking, why do you keep asking? I told you I love you and all. And he says, you know, basically Peter was saying, you know my heart, Lord. You know my heart. And you know, that's the question the Lord asked us this today. Do you love him? Then feed his sheep. Feed his sheep. I believe God's going to use us in here, don't you? Isn't that exciting? Never condemnation, remember, only conviction. As the Lord lays it on your heart, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence here today. Thank you today that by your spirit, we love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We love our neighbors, ourselves. We can love you, and we can love people. Thank you, Lord. I ask you to work in our hearts just a desire, hunger to know you better, just to walk with you closer, Lord, just a closer walk with thee, just to be more consecrated, Lord, to thee. We ask you to do that today. And every heart in this place, whatever the decisions are being made today here, I just bless those decisions and ask you, Lord, to increase what you're doing. May Jesus be praised. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.